9 o'clock, just after 9 o'clock in Edmonton, and time to check in with our Wednesday co-host, Grant Fuhr in Palm Desert. Good morning, Fuhrzy. How are you? It's been a rough couple of hours here in the sense that Oiler fans are not too happy, Grant, and I think you could probably expect that. Yeah, I mean, you would definitely <laughs> expect it. I mean, it's, how would you put it, tough to watch? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not the end of the world yet. Keyword yet? Yet. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of an 82-game season is it gives you time to redeem yourself. So, it, yeah, they've got a place, oh, probably 800 hockey the rest of the way through. But at the same time, it's not impossible. So I think, Grant, let's just start in goal. What you've seen from, I guess, Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell, like particularly Stuart Skinner last night. Uh, you know what it looks like to me is that they're almost playing uh, a term I use is playing scared mm-hmm. where you're afraid to give up a goal, afraid to make a mistake. And you end up a half second behind because you're thinking instead of just reading and reacting. It looks a little bit like that. And then when the Oilers do give up a goal, it's like the whole team all of a sudden shrinks because they don't want to give up a shot on goal. Now, if you look at the first 15 minutes last night, they played free, they attacked, and as soon as they gave up a goal, they stopped attacking. So that, it's, it's a sign that maybe there's not the trust that there should be in the goalies. Mm-hmm. And it, again, but the goalies still have to make a save for them. And it looks to me like they're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Good point. Grant Fuhr with us on Sports 1440. Grant, we are kind of talking about it off the top of the show about the team being fragile and maybe that's a point that you sort of expanded on there or maybe you can expand on do you see that right now with this team yeah i'd say they're a little bit fragile i mean you look at you look at what they can be i mean if you watch the first 15 minutes last night that's what you would expect out of the oilers a hard attacking team that can dominate a game but you don't see that same team after they give up a goal it's Mm -hmm. like it's almost like they're afraid they're going to give up the next goal, which, of course, once you start to play defensive and play not to give up a goal, you end up giving up goals. So it's a team that should be attacking, and that's what they do best. Why do you think we didn't see it last night in the second period? So, as you say, it's one nothing. everything's going great. Give up that 1-1 goal, and you start to, you know, your shoulders shrug a little bit they shrink a little bit your body language isn't there you're kind of going here we go again and then next thing you know it's 3-1 after 20 but and I was kind of touching this on this off the top Grant with the Toronto Maple Leafs game last night so the Leafs were down 4-1 last night to Tampa Bay didn't have a very good first period the Oilers had a really good first you know 13-14 minutes but didn't have a good last six minutes why do you think that the Oilers couldn't come out in the second period as hard as they did in the first, similar to what the Toronto Maple Leafs did against Tampa Bay last night in the second period? Well, I think part of it's just the body language of it. I mean, you're, once, once you become afraid that you're going to give up goals and you're playing not to lose instead of playing to win, it changes the style that you play and everything becomes a second slower. And that's not what the owners are. They're a fast team that plays fast and forces the other team into making mistakes. And I think once they got down 3-1, it's almost like they were playing not to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. How do you stop that, Grant? I, I think it's a mindset more than anything. 
I mean, I know as a goalie, the minute you start to think about, okay, if I give up another goal, we're in trouble. Your mindset changes. You start to think and you can't, you have to just read and react. And I think as a group, they look like there there's more thinking than there is playing going on. Grant Fear with us every Tuesday from nine o'clock to 11 on sports 1440. So, Grant, when you sort of break down the goals last night, and again, the first one, you know, it's a, it's just a miscue from Vinny DeHarnay, but it's the second one and the fourth one that I think a lot of people are just kind of going, man, you know, because we've seen it too many times before. What, as a goaltender on the second goal, it's just a shot in the slot, but it totally, you know, Pia Suter is all by himself in the slot. As a goaltender, and you're seeing that play come down on you, can you just sort of tell our listeners as a goaltender, what you're thinking about? You know, hopefully I'm not. <laughs> I think that's kind of the key is you don't want to be thinking. You just want to read and react. And I think as a goalie, when you struggle, you have a tendency to stick closer to your net instead of being out and aggressive. And you give the shooter more of a target. And if you've watched the goalies the last little bit, they're pretty deep in the net. They're not you take about Stewart, for instance, isn't taking advantage of his size. Mm-hmm. You get him up on top of the crease. That's a big man. There's not a lot of target to shoot at and it's it's habit when things aren't going well you want to shrink back to your net when in, in fact you should be moving forward a little bit and taking advantage of trying to create the optical illusion that you're bigger than you are that puck that went through Skinner on the second goal when you give up a goal like that though and you see the rest of your team go here we go again that's kind of what your words were how do you get that back quickly just in the sense of trying to get that momentum, trying to show your teammates that, you know, hey, I can be the guy here. I'm going to help us. I'm going to lead us back because you did it so often when you were playing. You were saying, like, even if I give up whatever, how many goals, I don't care. It's that big save at the right time. And how come the Oilers aren't getting that right now? Right. Again, it comes down to a mindset. I mean, I was lucky enough I learned early that – you give up a goal, you just have to let it go and just play. And I, I struggled my second year, and Stewart's going through a little bit of that right now. Your second year is always your hardest year because now the expectations go up if, after you've had a good first year. And I think you end up thinking more than just reacting. Hmm. And you could see it a little bit last night that there's thinking going on instead of just the read-react. Grant Fuhr with us on Sports 1440. How much do you put on this goal on the on this? How much do you put on it on the goaltending coach Dustin Schwartz? Um, I don't know what Dustin's teaching, so I can't really put anything on it. Okay. I mean, without being in the room every day and seeing what they're talking about and going through what they go through in practice, it, it wouldn't be right for me to comment mm-hmm. because I don't know what they're doing. That's so, fair. and I think that's that's the other thing. Yeah, people are jumping all over Dustin, but at the same time. I can guarantee you 99.9% of those people have never put the pads on in an NHL game. So until you've put yourself in that position, you really don't know. How much more would Dustin have to be goaltending psychologist here more than the technical aspect right now? Well, I think it's mostly psychologist now. I mean, both guys have are technically sound. I mean, Jackson athletic goalie, Stewart's a big goalie that takes advantage of his size. You don't lose your talent when you get to the National Hockey League. That doesn't go away. You get there because you have talent. So it, at that level, it becomes about 80% mental. Mm-hmm. Grant Fuhrer with us on Sports 1440. So, Grant, you, you obviously watched the game last night and you saw 
little things that happened over the course in the third period where, and I said off the top, it was like the, the uh, Fs, the four Fs that were basically uh, frustration and fragility and then four Fs, you know what, uh, because it's just been kind of Groundhog Day here every time. It just seems to be happening over and, and over and over again. There were some times in the third period, though, where the Oilers tried to band together a little bit. Uh, Connor McDavid got himself involved in a few scrums. Do you think as a team there was enough of that, I guess, pack mentality towards the opposition at that moment in the game? Um, I think it was gaining on it. I mean, yes, there's some frustration that set in. And I, for Connor to be in scrums and that sort of thing, you know it's frustration. Mm-hmm. And he's not the guy you want in those scrums. You want other guys in there. And if he is in there, then you have to have everybody else in those scrums. And you saw a little bit of that, but you'd like to see a little bit more at times as well. Mm-hmm. A little bit more. And even the following shift or, you know, I mean, when you were playing that happened, if something happened to, to Gretz or, or whatever, to Andy or whoever, there was more of a response, the following shift even. D- do you recall that? And do you think the Oilers need to see more of it right now? Oh, no, our guys, I can guarantee in the 80s if somebody took a run at Wayne that yeah. there was a price to pay. And it wasn't just for the next shift. It was the rest of the game you had to pay a price. And we had a lot of guys that could play with some bite. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the guys that weren't normally like that still played with bite. And it was a team mentality that the toughest teams are team tough. It's not one or two guys. I mean, even if we had to have the one or two guys, Samank and Marty could deal with that, Kevin McClellan. But it was a pack mentality where everybody just played a little bit meaner, a little bit tougher, and you're hard to play against when it's like that. So right now, the Oilers go into San Jose on Thursday, Grant. Day off today, on the road in Vancouver. They'll practice tomorrow, and then Thursday in San Jose, and then Saturday in Seattle. If you could kind of, I don't know, and we've been talking about waving this magic wand and showing the pixie dust, throwing it all over here. But in, in your mind, if you were to offer some advice to the guys in the room to turn this thing around, what would it be? Well, I think the biggest thing is just go out and play. I mean, you're going into San Jose against a team that's struggling. And the worst thing you can do is think about it and think that you're going against a team that's struggling. You have to compete against San Jose like they're going to have their best game of the year. And the Oilers, if they play like they did in the first 15 minutes, will dominate the game. But you're also facing a San Jose team that just got chewed out by their general manager, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be ready to compete. Mm-hmm. I think so too, especially they got chewed out by Mike Greer. And what we were talking about is a one-way conversation. Text coming into one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Can you ask Grant about accountability and how coaches hold players accountable in what ways? And I think we we're kind of touching on that, Grant, with um, Mark Spector earlier to, today and then last night asking Jay Woodcroft about Evan Bouchard and what he did on the fourth goal and was not held accountable as far as ice time goes, things like that. So question from Texter. Can you ask Grant about the accountability and how coaches hold players accountable in what ways? Thanks, Steve. Well, the old school way, you got chewed out pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you could be screamed and yelled at and all that fun stuff. But uh, the modern day, the only thing the coaches really control is ice time. I think that's that's the tough part of accountability now is everybody's developed feelings, so you can't yell and scream at them anymore. So the only thing you really control is their ice time. And you take ice time away, it forces guys to be accountable. 
Do you notice that, Grant, doing games and being close to Coachella Valley in the American League, do you notice that a little bit with the coaching staff in Coachella Valley? Oh, no, Dan's been... That's the one thing you can tell about Dan. If somebody isn't accountable, they get to rest a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's just say Dan will let them catch their breath a little longer. And it forces guys to be accountable. I mean, we had a couple of our best players last year have a couple of bad games and they get to rest for half a period to think <laughs> about it a little bit. And it made them better players. Texter Brad says, can you ask Grant how he mentally got out of his personal funk when he played in Toronto or Buffalo when he got uh, to St. Louis? It was like vintage Grant. I think injuries probably had a lot to do with things too. Yeah, part of it, the body was banged up. Part of it, your confidence comes and goes. And Toronto wasn't too bad. Buffalo started off okay. And again, you lose your confidence a little bit, but it's all a mindset more than anything. And I, and I kind of took it as a point that when people say that you haven't quite got it anymore, that you prove them wrong. I mean, I think that was the fun part of playing is I enjoyed proving people wrong. And you have to have a me against the world attitude sometimes. Did it get easier for you, Grant, because you were a little older and more of a veteran? Oh, it's definitely easier. as you've, Once you've seen it all, it mm-hmm. makes it a lot easier. And again, it's all a learning process. And Stu's in his second year. Mm-hmm. Your second year is hard because you're still trying to figure out yourself, let alone the game and everything else. So I think as, you, as he gets, he's, as the year goes, he's going to get better and better. It's just a matter of figuring out his mindset and how he's going to play. Grant Fuhrer with us on Sports 1440. Coming up after the break, we will check in with one of your old teammates, Kelly Chase. When's the last time you talked to Chaser, Grant? I saw Chaser this summer at a golf oh. tournament. So one of the good people in the game. Actually, what? a really good person. Where was the tourney? In Saskatoon? No, actually, we were out in Coeur d'Alene. Oh, wow. So you yeah, must, no. I mean, he was a, he's a, he's a piece of work. And there's a teammate. If there's, was there, if there were any problems, I mean, obviously Chase, Chaser sorted things out, but you must be uh, looking forward to this conversation just in the sense of kind of rekindling some old memories. I guess you were teammates for two years in St. Louis. That's correct, right? Uh, might maybe yeah, a little longer, even maybe a little longer. Yeah, but no. Ch- Chaser's one of the great guys in the game and one of my favorite teammates. Yeah. I mean, I look forward to seeing him all the time <laughs> and talking to him, and we had a lot of laughs over the years. Well, we will check in with uh, Kelly Chase uh, with our co-host Grant Fuhr on Sports 1440 right after the break. Stay with us. Oh, the Duke really bringing it now with some old school intro songs. Uh, Time to elevate your game by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Forbes best rated residential elevators manufactured right here in Edmonton. Visit TrustRam.com for more information. Kevin Carius, Grant Fuhr, and we welcome in Kelly Chase, the former NHLer who elevated his game Quite a lot back in the day. Morning, Chaser. How are things? Things are great. Things are great. They're probably not as good as Fierzy's because he's already played five rounds of golf this week. But <laughs> other than, I mean, it's not that good, but it's good. <laughs> well, Grant, have you played five this week? No, actually, I spent the week out in Newfoundland, so no golf. <laughs> so you're just drinking all weekend. You weren't <laughs> <laughs> a little, a little visit to the kids. See my youngest out there for a little while and things you got to do. Yeah. I was just saying, Chaser, that Grant, the last time that Grant was just saying you guys were in a golf tournament in Coeur d'Alene or where was it? Yeah, Coeur d'Alene, yeah. He was, uh, they have have an unbelievable uh, uh, (laughs) 
tournament out there, a pro-am that they do, which is, it's like, it, it's not only is it spectacular, the nicest places you can be in the world, and then on top of it all, they they bring in some spectacular talent. They've had Adam Levine, Darius Rucker, Cheryl hmm. Crow. Uh, give me give me some help, Fierzy. They got uh, Eddie Eddie Vedder I mean, last year. Oh. Eddie Vedder, uh, yeah. Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah, yeah, it's been unbelievable, and what they do and what they put on, and the money they raised. And the crazy thing is, is a couple years ago when I was going through my cancer little deal. Um, they they suggested a doctor in Western uh, in Western uh, out, out West because I was working there in the summer and I, and I said, listen, I was really hoping you guys would give me some some advice on on a doc that I could use somewhere out in the West that you think is a high you know high specialist uh, through this concierge medical thing we had and be damned if they don't suggest a doctor that gets up and makes the speech every year at the same tournament that we go to. And I'm like, they're like, the guy goes, well, actually, you already know him. And I, I'm like, no way. So here we are. We're raising money for this thing every year. It turned out that uh, one of the benefactors happened to be yours truly. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's why we do it, I guess. Grant Fuhr, Kevin Curious on Sports 1440 with Kelly Chase. So, Kelly, how is the health? Where are you at? Uh, hopefully you're at 100%. Can uh, you give no, us I'm an good. update? I'm yeah. good, yeah. Yeah, we fears he knows there's no germs that want to live in this body too long, so <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I've had uh, I've had a, I've had a really good reports lately, and um, and thankfully everything is turning out the way uh, um, we wanted, and and uh, back grinding and working, and and uh, you know enjoying life and enjoying my kids, like like Grant said, just you know, it's funny you know when you're playing. You focus on, you get up in the morning on July 1, say, and you know where you're going to be having dinner on February 12th because you can look at the schedule and it'll tell you, oh, I'm in, you know, this place. I might be in Columbus or I might be in New York. And you know where you're going to go hang out because you love your places you love. And so you kind of know your schedule day to day to day. And then when you get done, you know, it becomes this, this whole thing of structure, you know, and, uh, and holy, like, what am I going to do with myself now? And then you start trying to look for those those things in your life. And the one thing that I've found is the consistency that I've found is with my kids and being able to follow them around with hockey and, and be a part of of watching them grow and go to college. And mm-hmm. and uh, but but the what the consistency for me is I'm, I never leave that damn rink. Every time I turn around, I end up back in that place. <laughs> go so ahead, Grant. It, it it's been good. Yeah. I got to agree with Kelly. The one thing you retire is when you're playing, there's a set schedule. You know where you're supposed to be. There's You get up, you do the same thing every day, and you do it for well, I was lucky enough. I get to hang around and do it for 20 years. And then as soon as I retired, I jumped right into coaching. So I get another bonus yeah. 10 years of having a set schedule, and then all of a sudden you're on your own. And it's I kind of immersed myself in golf, so I gave myself my own set schedule. But now you just – it's fun to enjoy watching your kids grow up and seeing the great young people that they turn into. That's so true. And you know, it's funny, like we talk about the structure and, uh, you know, um, I've been lucky enough. I've been uh, the chairman of that NHL alumni association uh, for, for the last few years. And uh, Glenn Healy has done an unbelievable job of trying to Im- immerse the alumni together and, 
helping a lot of the benefits and some of the plans the older guys never got. And and uh, the one thing that we found that I found mostly with the guys in Jersey, I think you'll you'll attest to this because you know it's the same thing with me. I mean, I, I left the game after 13 years and I went right into broadcasting. And then you know I think I had 158 flights my last year. Uh, with the SP, I mean, with uh, NBC NHL Network and the Blues when they won the cup and 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 it, and in uh, the season ended so late, I it was so such a great run. But the one thing that you miss is the guys. You don't you don't miss the game as much as you miss the guys. You miss that. You miss the Mark Bergevins in the locker room, the Jeff Cortnells in the locker room, the the guys that made you laugh, the guys that you just came and you just knew. Like you could pretty much, you know, around the room, you could pretty much know the humor was going to begin a half an hour before you went on the ice for practice, and it, and it was going to end an hour and a half after practice. And it was just like that. That part of the game is what you missed, you know. Uh, you don't miss the competitive. I don't miss the competitiveness <laughs> until playoffs, and that's when I want to go out there and take a run at somebody again. But I, I don't, I don't miss it. Uh, the game as much as I miss the guys. Well, Oiler fans probably would like you in the lineup right now, Kelly, to get a little spark under this team. Kelly Chase, Grant Fuhr played together in St. Louis for a few years. What about that time that you spent yeah. together, Kelly? Grant, you can kind of pony off each other. Must be some special memories. You had a great teams, great teams and some really good high-end talent. Uh, Kelly, you looked after those guys on the ice. It was a different time, different era, of course, but Grant Fuhr is kind of coming in at the end of his career as well. What was it like to see a goaltender of Grant's stature come to St. Louis in the late 90s? Well, well if you're so many, I tell this story all the time. But first of all, uh, you see, I played with Cujo when he was young, right? And he was just, he hadn't become the, the mature goalie that he turned into, who, you know, mm-hmm. who belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, but I, but I never played with a better goalie at a, at a period of time than I played with Grant. You talk, you may, you may think because of his age that 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 was like, oh, you know, that's a stretch or what. I tell everybody that. I mean, it was, it was awesome, and the knowledge of Grant's demeanor sometimes can be deceiving because he's so easygoing and happy-go-lucky. But it can be deceiving, like even at practice, his knowledge of. Like he knew where Brett Hall was shooting from certain places on the ice all the time. And if Fierzy wanted to be lazy, he could just, okay, I'm going to wait till he just about pulls the trigger and I'm just going to step over into that lane. Because <laughs> Brett would shoot at the same place in certain spots of the ice every day. And he did it purposely so that when he got the puck in those places in a game, it was going automatically into that spot and goalies didn't stop him. I mean, make no mistake. He, he to me is the best goal scorer I've ever seen. Okay, mm-hmm. I've ever seen in hockey. But Grant understood where he was shooting and why he was shooting there. And certain times again, you know, so he still tried to. I want to keep my game to a point where I'm going to try and react to the shot, even though I know it's going there, rather than just step over just before he shoots and let it hit him. Now, when he did that once in a while, and he would laugh at Holly, Holly didn't say nothing. He'd just go in the corner because they knew what each other were doing. Highly intelligent hockey sense. Now, Fierzy did have a competitive side, too, because I tell this story to everybody. We're playing in Phoenix, and we're down in the series, and he lets in a shitty goal. <laughs> and so 
we say shitty on your air? Yeah, so you're fine. Go yeah, ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, damn right we can. You betcha. So, anyway, um, so he lets in a bad goal and come in. And, you know, Fierzy doesn't talk, by the way, either. He's got that squeaky <laughs> little voice of his, and he goes, listen up, guys. <laughs> and we're kind of, we're like, holy, you know, he talks. <laughs> and uh, he goes, uh, that goal is on me. You guys win this game. This is in St. Louis in game six. Now, we've been down game three games to one in this series. You guys win this game tonight. I don't lose game seven. So <laughs> we're like all looking around like, okay, we come back and we win the game in game six. We come back in the game and we win game six. We get to Phoenix for game seven. And Piercy puts on a goaltending performance that I've never seen before. Like, I mean, it was truly the most unbelievable, unbelievable goaltending performance I've ever seen. So we win the game in overtime, one nothing. The one nothing or two one, Fierzy. Ah, uh, one nothing. One nothing in like double or triple overtime, and it's the greatest goaltending performance I've ever seen in my life. And I tell people all the time, like you can say whatever you want about where certain players were in their careers when you played with them. I tell people all the time, if I was picking one player. Just one player that I would that I would want on my team to start a team, I tell him it would be Chris Pronger because he because when we played with Chris Pronger, Chris Pronger would have wanted wanted to Chris Pronger wanted to uh, play an entire game. He he didn't want to come off the. I think he's the only player I've ever played with that could have played an entire game. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but he'd bitch at at at, at, at Jimmy Roberts for taking him off the ice with. 20 seconds left on a, on a penalty kill, and Jimmy would go, what are you screaming at me about? He'd say, why'd you put those two out there? He said, you've been out there a minute and 20. That's exactly right. There's another 40 seconds left on this damn power play. So, you know, but I've never seen a goaltending performance in all the years that I played like Piercy put on that night. So, uh, And I've talked to Wayne about it, and, and he just said, hey, buddy, when the chips were down, that's the guy you wanted in the net. So... I'm glad I got to do this little segment thing with Fierzy because there's more people that should know that story. Well, you know, Kelly, when I texted you and I said, would you like to come on with Grant? You texted me back in about five seconds and said, I'll do whatever you want with Grant Fear. He's one of the best. He's one of my best, the best guys that I ever played with. So appreciate you coming on. That's yeah, true. Fierzy, did you, you know, I mean, Kelly Chase had a, those are difficult jobs. And man, there wasn't a guy that probably did it better in the league as far as trying to protect all the stars on the Blues. When you were there, how much did you kind of, no, I'm not, it notices the wrong, wrong phrasing, but man, oh man, it's a tough job and he did it to a T. No, pound for pound, there's nobody tougher. But also the understanding of the game. He knew when to do it, if he had to do it, and not afraid of anybody. And I, even in the game today, there's teams that they know they have to have that guy. And we were pretty fortunate. We had Kelly, we had Tony Twist. I mean, we could, and we could play any style of hockey that anybody wanted to play. And it was no different than what we had in Edmonton. If the game got nasty, mm-hmm. we had guys that could play nasty. And the fun part with Chaser and Twister running around is there was nobody nastier. So it kept it let our skilled players be skilled players. 
And I think you could still have that in the game today because it frees your best players up to just play. You don't have to see them in the scrums. You don't see anybody taking advantage of them. And that was a lot of why our guys like Prongs didn't have to fight. Al McKinnis didn't have to fight is Chaser and Twister did all the heavy lifting. Chaser, what was it like with Twister, the two of you? Because again, that was a pretty potent one-two puncher. They used to joke about it in the locker room and call it the race for Chase because <laughs> nobody wanted to fight with Twist and they come charging after me, you know. But but the funny thing about it is, is Twister really was, you know, that was a lot of, you know, when they brought us there, they told us, look, we're getting pushed around in Detroit and and in Minnesota and, and, we're, and it's going to stop. And we were 20-year-old, 19-year-old kids and we said, okay, no problem. And, you know, kind of that's where we took it from, you know. The funny, I got to tell you, uh, we had that team. We, we, you know, you can talk about the heavy lifting and about whatever, but at the end of the day, we just had a really good group. And we were, and you know, you look back on teams, you go, man, I, I wonder if that was an opportunity that we missed winning mm-hmm. a cup. And that's definitely the team that I look at and go, God, what a missed opportunity to win a cup. Because we we really really you gotta have a lot of things go right, but God, we were good and we were just so mean and and the best part about it is Joel Quenville, you know, who and by the way, I don't I, I don't care who I offend. Joel Quenville should be coaching in the NHL right now. That's ridiculous that that he's not. But anyway, that's a whole different sidebar. He's the best <laughs> coach I've ever had, and he turned to us when we were when we were together and said, listen, I don't know how to do what you do. I don't understand it, mm-hmm. but I understand the need for it. And I understand it. He goes, so when you two guys need, if you think you need to do something and go out and do something to help this team be better, then you just tell me and I'll put you on the ice. I, I, I have to ask you guys not to embarrass yourself. You can't embarrass your family and you can't embarrass the organization. Those are the three things. Hmm. If you guys feel like there's a need for you, I don't understand the timing of it or when you understand it much better than me. Hmm. Just tell me and I will accommodate what you guys think as long as it makes sense to me. And uh, there was a story of Darian Hatcher beating the hell out of Hully. And uh, he he just kept pounding on him, you know, and Darian was such a big, strong, tough guy. And he would just say to me, ah, you're not even going to get on the ice when I'm out there. You're going to get on the ice when you're out there. And I was telling Twister, I'm, I'm getting fed up with this Hatcher. I've, I've had it with him. He's not going to fight with me. So I'm standing in front of their bench, and I'm saying to them, like, I'm, I'm, I've just about had it with Hatcher. And I said, just keep it up. I said, Madonna or Benoit Hogue are going to get it. One of the two of them are going to get it. And... Uh, <laughs> It's just barking back at me. You're not even going to get in the ice when they're out there. And he's barking at me. And, you know, that little squeaky voice. Yeah. That you. And uh, we got so the TV timeout's over, and out goes Madano and Hogue. And I turn around to Quenville and said, you know, now would be a good time for you to put Twister and I out there. Hmm. And he just turned around. He just tapped us on the shoulder and said, go ahead. Like, okay, no problem. And uh, we went out on the ice, and uh, – Twister stirred up a little shit when uh, <laughs> Fierzy throws the puck right away, and and uh, Twister got the linesman a little preoccupied, and I pulled Benoit Hogue out of that. And the funny thing is, 
uh, uh, Mikey Madonna, who I love, the guy, and played junior against him in Saskatoon, and then he was in PA, and I said, oh, we're going to the face-off, and he came right beside me and goes, Chaser, leave me the F alone. <laughs> okay? Please. <laughs> he knew I was serious. So I pulled Ben Wahog out of that pile, and I think Benny ended up with a broken jaw or cheekbone or something. Anyways, it was their second leading scorer, and Hitch was furious, and one of the reporters from Dallas was furious with me. And he kept poking me at the end of the game, poking me. And I remember Joel waiting for me as I was coming off the ice after we won the game. And he goes, now you be careful what you say and don't embarrass the organization. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I I said in the interview, what I got? What do you got to keep asking me the same questions for? You're looking for a different answer? That if you really want to point at somebody and blame somebody, blame Darian Hatcher. <laughs> He's been beating on Brett Hall every game for two years with an aluminum stick. And I'm getting tired of it. And the next time it happens, it probably won't be Benny. It'll probably be someone like Mike. Hmm. But I'm just getting tired of it. Hmm. And it and, and and everyone kind of stopped and looked back. So of course they they had put it <laughs> in the paper. And then when we got to uh, Dallas, the next game, uh, sure enough, uh, Hatch came after me to fight with me, and he fought with me, and and. Uh, that's when it all ended on the beating on Hall and the beating on, on Madano, and it stopped. But if you tried to ask somebody that, you know, what's that What's that donkey there that uh, writes for the Hockey News? Uh, what's his last name? <laughs> Which one? Campbell. <laughs> uh, Ken Campbell. Okay, yeah. Right? So this, this, guy, this guy has done nothing but berate hockey players that play with a physical presence. And I'm going to tell you guys something right now. If I was a hockey player right now, I 100% would be playing physical. I 100% would be showing the scouts that I I'm not afraid to fight. I would 100% be playing with a physical presence because anybody that can do that right now in this league and still has the fortitude to do it is a commodity. Hmm. There's not a team in the league that would not take Tom Wilson on their team. And he's, he's made himself a player. Ryan Reeves is like 34 or 5 years old. He's got a 3-year contract. Like if you're sitting at home or you're actually, you know, you have some of these analytics guys doing some analytics, see what the analytics are on guys that actually want to play like that and how how important they are right now. You're a commodity if you do that. You you literally you are. And and so uh man, if I was if I had a chance to do that again, whole well, we talked about a chaser with the Oilers game last night with what happened kind of in the third period. I'm not sure if you watched the game, but I think a lot of people would have liked to see a little more response. How's that sound? Bite. We'd like, like to, to see a little more fight. bite. We're all so scared to say something up there. Like, we're all scared to say, oh, you can't say fight or you can't encourage it. We're raising the biggest group of of soft people that's ever been any in any generation. <laughs> Because people are afraid to say it. And oh, especially this is I've noticed awesome. in Canada, I'm a proud Canadian. And I, I see some of these guys talk, oh, you can't say that. And, oh, you got it. You can be, be careful because, you know, she's in the room where he's in. Well, if we're going to actually be honest, the honest thing is, is that we better start toughening up a little bit and toughening our kids up or we're in big trouble. Kevin Carey is Grant Fuhr, along with Kelly Chase, Sports 1440. Um, Kelly, I wanted to kind of selfishly ask a question because you did bring up the Saskatoon Blades. Wonder why yeah. the three years that you played there, you guys had phenomenal teams, 
but for some reason just couldn't make that extra step in the playoffs. Can you explain why with all the guys? Like you had Volhofer, Matichuk, De Palma, all these guys were great, great junior players. Well, those guys were great players, certainly, but the year after that was the time when we should have won, but Medicine Hat beat us in seven games, and they won the Cup. Mm-hmm. And they did it twice in a row. Uh, and so for us, we were like, we, you know, we couldn't. We, they had a little help from the uh, Commissioner Ed Chanel the one year, and then after that, because uh, his son was on the other team, and I liked Dean. But, and then uh, the second year, we had Sheveldy and Lasician and then Grand Cristobal yeah. go down just before the playoffs. But, no, we had a heck of a team. And, honestly, it was a lot of fun playing with that group. It's funny, though. I do have to t- tell you something funny is, I was listening to, uh, oh, God, uh, Jimmy McKenzie doing some podcast or some interview or something, and he said, uh, they asked him about Saskatoon, and he said, uh, he said, that wasn't a hockey team, that was a work release program. <laughs> and I, I had to get a chuckle out of that. That's oh, true. You guys, there was a tough team for sure. Marcel Como was coaching. And- yeah. Yeah, Barry Melrose said uh, one time when we were playing Medicine Hat, we had a line brawl, and there was, uh, there was I think, Twist, myself, Clark, Kosher, and Dean <laughs> Holine out on the ice. And, and uh, I don't know who Medicine Hat had. We were down 7-2, to two and we had a line brawl at the end of the Ooh. game, and a reporter asked me and said, well, like, you know, Marcel sent me, sent us out to fight. And we said, Marcel Como has never one time ever sent any of us out to fight. <laughs> if we fought, it's because we fought. It was it had nothing to do with our coach. Hey Kelly, do you do you um, go ahead? Sorry, Barry Melrose. Yeah, another Calvington guy. Barry Melrose. Yeah, Barry Melrose said those kids have all grown up in the same town I'm from. He said they didn't send them out there to tie the game up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you think that? You know, even so, like, uh, you know, 25 years ago, you're playing with Grand Fear. You did color for many years with the Blues after you finished, and now Grand Fear's doing yeah. color with Coachella Valley. What would have, yeah. if someone would have told you that 20-some years ago, what would you have said? No. <laughs> I would have said no. Well, I would have figured he wouldn't do it just because he'd be golfing. <laughs> but but honest to, God, honest to God, he's like, Got the perfect personality. I've never, honest with God, I have never, ever, ever heard of him offending somebody. Now, I, now I'm, I'm. People are, oh no. Um, well, Twitter, I might have offended the odd person. Yeah, there's a few Twitter comments for sure, Fierzy. Oh yeah, well you know what? But I mean, look at these clowns. Like, you don't even read that stuff. Like, yeah. that doesn't count. Yeah. I, I mean, you know. Like, I'm talking about, you know, honest integrity and the way he's carried himself and the amount of people that he's done so many things for and made feel so good. And I'm not talking about former players. I'm talking about what he's done with charities and with kids and with the Community Cancer Foundation in in Coeur d'Alene and and that that western district of of the West Coast and and the kids at games in St. Louis. Grand Fury comes to St. Louis, he could have whatever he wanted. I mean, and that, and I'm not kidding you because there, there's people that just don't do not forget, uh, you know what he's about and and the kind of and the way he treated people here. So, and I'm not, and I'm again. I told you I would come on and do anything for him because, mm-hmm. because because because, uh, because uh, there are certain people that you play with that you 
that have that just treat you the right way and treat everyone the same. And and Grant's one of them. So, you know, uh, the demeanor of him, you know, if he says something and it's a little bit like it's walking on the line one way or another, you ought to consider it might have some truth to it because he very rarely uh, gets to that point. You know, Gretzel stays Switzerland all the time. <laughs> but you get... You get Jersey says something to you that you should, that's maybe not in the context that everyone believes. And I can tell you, he's probably saying something for a reason because there's somebody that needs to understand that there's something not right in the state of Denmark. Well, you know what, Chaser? We took way too much of your time. And uh, man, love the stories and just wanted to let you know of a few responses from our text line from Cole. Chaser's hitting the nail on the head here. Best interview yet. Mondo says, have Ch- Kelly Chase back daily. Marty says, Kelly's my new favorite guest. Says it how it is. Patrick Query, love the interview with Chaser. Love his stories. Then there was one about the delay button, but I'm just fine with no delay button, Chaser. So, hey, thanks for coming on. Maybe we can do this again, do part two with uh, Fierzy, talk about some old times and and things a little more with the St. Louis run and things like that. How's that sound? Anytime for the goer. See ya. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, sir. Always a pleasure, pal. Yeah, that's Kelly Chase. Part of our Elevate Our Game, and he definitely elevated his game when he played in the NHL. Elevate Your Game, uh, brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. Trustram.com. Boy, he's done, you know, you think about his cancer battle here a couple years ago, Furzy, and the support that he had. I know a lot of guys, obviously, you know, all his former teammates like yourself reached out to him, but for him to get back... 100 percent healthy is the main the main thing here and you know it was a tough time for him obviously you know you saw the pictures and saw the stories but uh, can you just kind of touch on how it was like to kind of help support him get through that stage a tough tough part of his life yeah i mean that's that's a tough thing for anybody to be going through and you knew chaser would face it head on that's just what he does I and mean, he's that type of guy and you look at what he's done for the community in St. Louis. You look at all the different things he does for him to get help. There's mm-hmm. one, it would take a lot for him to ask for help because he is that type of guy that he's that tough guy. And the fact that he was able to find a doctor that helped him and such, it's one of those just things that because of everything he does fully deserves. And there's no question that he would beat it. He loves a good fight. And that's just one of those fights in life that a lot of people end up having to go through. Didn't he have the good line that he said to you? Hey, Fierzy, do you think any germs would live in this body? <laughs> oh, no, we used to laugh about that. I mean, younger, there wasn't too many diseases that liked hanging out with us. So, <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Uh, top of the oh, hour, we, we will check in with Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation. Is I guess, well, the offseason's here. The Blue Jays, what are they going to do? Who are they looking at? Trades coming up. There's been a few of them in the majors of baseball. Plus, Carter Hutton, an old goaltender. That fears. Did you ever run across Carter in your time doing anything in the NHL? Uh, where did I see Carter last? I think at a golf tournament up in Thunder Bay. Oh, okay. That's the last place I saw him. Yeah, I think he played He played junior up there and then down went to college in the States. And there's another guy that really, you know, came out of and worked and worked and worked and got to the NHL and provide, proved to be a, quite a, a serviceable NHL goalie. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the part people forget. It takes a lot of hard work and a lot of talent to get to the National Hockey League. And when you get there, if you struggle, you don't lose your talent. 
it goes back to the thinking and the mentality of the, the position. So, can oh, by lose. the way, you're the, first, you're the first guy that everybody yells at too when things go bad. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's what's been happening here for sure in the last, uh, well, whatever, a month or so, whatever it's been. So when we come back, we will check in with Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation. Before that, uh, we've got a few other things to do, but a short break here, right, Duke? That's, uh, we're just up a little bit against the wall. So uh, more with Grant Fear, a couple stories we'll check in, talk about Coachella Valley and how the uh, the birds are doing right after the break. Stay with us. Kevin Carey's Grant Fear on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Coming up to the 10 o'clock hour, we've got our co-host from uh, the play-by-play color team of the Coachella Valley Firebirds. And man, Coachella Valley, Grant Fuhr, big game on the weekend. What happened with the Firebirds on the weekend? Yeah, the boys went into Bakersfield, got a little 2-1 victory. Mm -hmm. So we're still perfect on the road, and we lost our first couple at home, but had a big one the other night where we managed to roll up eight. Mm-hmm. And turned the actually took the foot off the gas pedal in the third period, or we could have got into the double digits. I think they put up a pretty good number, and we got a busy week coming up this week. We've got San Diego in here tomorrow night. We've got a rematch with the Calgary Wranglers coming up on Saturday, and then we've got a little rematch with Tucson coming mm-hmm. up on Sunday. So busy week for the boys for sure. So Bakersfield was a two-one victory, as you said. You were in Newfoundland for the weekend. When you're coming back, do you get a chance to kind of look at the game, have a look at it? What did you see from that game? And because it was Bakersfield, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of Edmonton connections, and people want to know what's going on with the Condors. You know what? Bakersfield plays us tough for some reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the games last year were close. They were all good games. They came in here opening night and beat us three-two. And Calvin Pickard's played really well against us. Not sure what it is. He played extremely well in the game here. He played extremely well again the other night. And Bakersfield just gives our guys a hard time for some reason. We've had calls today. We've had about a million texts today, Grant, about the Oilers goaltending situation. Could Calvin Pickard be a stopgap solution for the Edmonton Oilers in the next little bit here? Well, obviously you want to have support down in your system. And him and Rodriguez have both played well down there. And it's, I'm going to say their system's a little more structured to defense than it is with the Oilers. And that's probably a lot of the difference as well. But at the same time, if you're going to win at the National Hockey League level, Stewart and Jack are both going to get better. There's no question. And a lot of it's confidence. A lot of it's, mm-hmm. they need to tighten things up on their own end a little bit. I mean, yeah, you give up some, grade A chances, but we used to do that in the 80s too. We gave up lots of grade A chances. It's just a matter of finding your confidence and understanding that you're going to give up grade A chances. So you play a worst case scenario game where you assume that everything's going to break down and you play that way. It it just makes the game easier. So Grant, when you say the, the difference, it's different structure and maybe defensive system on the farm in Bakersfield for the Oilers. I think everyone up here is kind of told or been told the fact that because the Oilers want that same kind of structure and, I don't know, philosophy right from the minors to if there is a call-up, that there isn't that much of a, a worry about the transition. You're saying that it's a lot different than what the Oilers are trying to employ than what's being done in Bakersfield? I'm not sure. It's hard to tell without being there every day. Yeah. But Bakersfield's been pretty good defensively. And they're keeping a lot of pucks to the outside. They're not allowing a lot of grade A from the middle of the ice. Mm -hmm. 
But again, you have to remember that it's also a step slower at the American Hockey League level than it is in the NHL. So you have a little bit more time to read and react to things. At the NHL, a second is a world of time Mm -hmm. in the game of hockey. So with that one second difference, it's a big jump from the American League up to the NHL. Well, when we come back, top of the hour, we will uh, check in with Cam Lewis, talk a little baseball, if you like, Grant, and then uh, we'll have Carter Hutton on at 1020, the former NHL goaltender, now with the Daily Faceoff. It's the Kevin Carrier Show with Grant Fear down in Palm Desert on Sports 1440. Uh, before that, at the top of the hour, we'll check in with the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.